We are in peak off-season mode. We continue our journey through Charlotte Hornets history, taking a look at every jersey number and deciding who wore it best. Of course, this all comes after we take a look at Matt Geiger facts of today. All today on Locked On Hornets. Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free. We're available anywhere you get your podcast. I highly suggest you check us out on YouTube. It's a lot more fun if you watch us there as well, because one, we appreciate the subscribers growing. Make sure you are a part of that club, but also you get to see our reactions, our genuine reactions when we stumble upon some really awesome information, whether it be about Chris Douglas Roberts, whether it be about a Jason Maxiel, or whether it be about Matt Geiger. And that's where we lead the show. Matt Geiger, facts of the day. Doug, are you ready to dive into that before we continue our jersey number journey throughout Hornets history? Oh, absolutely. This was uh, one of the most beloved segments in Locked On Hornets history, the Matt Geiger fact of the day, because some of these facts are as amazing as the one that I'd like to kick things off with, Walker, Matt Geiger, if you don't know, changed NBA history for the Eastern Conference. In the, U- in the year 2000, he famously refused to waive the $1.2 million annual trade kicker for the final four seasons of his six-year $47 million contract. That move, Walker, stopped a trade that the Sixers had in place that would have shipped Allen Iverson to the Detroit Pistons. The Sixers, of course, with Allen Iverson, would go on to win the Eastern Conference Championship, and Iverson was the league MVP. But he almost did it in Detroit because (laughs) of Matt Geiger. Well, and imagine the butterfly effect from that. Do we get the 2004 Pistons that everyone loved where they won without a... No, yeah, they won without a superstar, and that's the team everybody likes to go to as the prime example of that. Yes, Matt Geiger, we appreciate you. What other Matt Geiger facts do you want to do? We, how do we want to do this? Like, do we, we don't want to do a whole segment on this, right? We want to give you a few and then we want to sprinkle them in throughout the show. Or do we want to have a full segment? Well, I'd like Matt to Geiger give, I think I, I owe people one from his time in Charlotte and I okay. want to do it. Um, this is one that I've never, we've never aired on this show. Uh, that Whoa. was one that I dug okay. back into the archives, that uh, Eastern Conference one. Um, but this one, I'm actually putting my purchases to good use. I've been uh, gobbling up these, uh, uh, what do you call them? media guide? So I've got this one here from 1997, 98. Look at that. And look at Matt Geiger. Oh yeah. Just the Geiger <laughs> counter I, uh, staring yes. oh, intensely the, into the camera. The camera Go has D. focused on the bust of Matt Geiger and he is angry. He is staring at me. I will see that in my nightmares later on. I am seven footer petrified. Of Big Matt guy, Geiger. 245, seven feet tall. Uh, if you didn't know, Walker, he was a cl- he was acquired with Glenn Rice and Khalid Reeves in that trade with the Miami Heat, that famous trade that sent Alonzo Mourning to the Heat in 1995. That's how Geiger got to the Charlotte Hornets. Probably a little bit of an afterthought, right? And the deal, because I mean, Glenn Rice He's was throwing. the big prize. Yeah, Glenn Rice was the big prize, but but Matt Geiger went on to have some contributions as well. All right, here's the fact of the day for Matt Geiger. Are you ready? This is from Mm -hmm. the 1997-98 Hornets Media Guide. 
Matt Geiger owns and operates the record label MG 2020 featuring rap group Demonet. I can honestly say I've never heard a song from them. We need to look them up, though. I need to see uh, what their I will, I will look you up. I'll give you a track listing for Demonet. Um, mm-hmm. Then also at the very end of this, I'm not kidding, at the very end of this personal blurb on Matt Geiger, it says after that, it says dot, 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 single. <laughs> I don't think that's referring to Demonet and, and a single. I think that's yeah. referring, I believe that's referring to Matt Geiger being single, which is not something you typically see in this, which this makes is, me wonder if Matt Geiger went to the to the PR people and said, "No, yeah. I would like to use this as my personal dating service." Please, put yeah. That I'm did, single. The funny part there is dot dot dot. Did he say, "Can you just go ahead and put that as just a way to kind of creep?" Well, no, in that was the PR staff single? going. We really don't do that. No, oh, fine. All right, dot we'll dot dot, single. Can we do a really quick rapid fire Matt Geiger looks like? Because I think Matt Geiger looks like one of the final bosses that you'll play in a video game on the end of your story timeline. I think he definitely looks like the bouncer at a country western bar. That's a guy you don't want to mess with. He is going (laughs) to, you have a couple of, you have too many Mickeys and he's throwing you out. Matt Geiger is one of the bad guys that's easily disposed of in Roadhouse. Patrick Swayze destroyed him in Roadhouse. That's true, yeah. That's good. That's a good call. Matt I Geiger, also think one of a kind. I also I also don't think he looks like Stone Cold Steve Austin. I think he looks like slightly chilled Steve Austin. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, We've Matt Geiger fact. What are we actually doing on this show? Let, let's do. Let's do. Do you want to do one jersey number in the first segment, or do we need to move on? And do we just need to admit that we actually did a whole first segment on Matt Geiger? I think we have time for I think we have time for one number because okay. the first one is going to be pretty easy. But let's let's uh, d- d- did you I wasn't Go listening because I was looking at Matt Geiger facts. Did you tell everyone what I we're actually not. doing here? Okay, I got excited. I went straight to Geiger, man. That's okay, what I, did. I know. Well, that's okay. Sometimes you got to go straight to the guy. I get mm-hmm. it. We went straight to the guy. Now we got to pull back and uh, reveal to everyone what we're doing here. This is called Who Wore It Best. We're looking at every single Charlotte Hornets jersey number and asking who wore it best. Here are the rules as we discuss this. It has to be, uh, we have to consider only the stats that they had while they were playing with Charlotte and while they were wearing that specific jersey number. So if they swap numbers, we can only take into consideration the stats and the feelings that are surrounding that particular jersey number. So we're asking who wore it best. If we have a debate about it, if we feel like there's a question, we will throw it to the audience in the form of a YouTube poll. So go to youtube.com forward slash locked on Hornets podcast, subscribe, like our videos and go to the community tab where you can vote in the polls. So maybe we don't maybe we don't do this then. Maybe we just kind of do a recap real quickly and then move on to the second segment. And so let, let's do like, let's do a re, like let, let's do a recap. We've only gone through four jersey numbers to this point. And we led off with number 98. We gave that award to the only player that's ever worn 98 in Hornets mm-hmm. history. That would be Mr. Arnoldus Kubica. 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 The emphasis is tough on that one. I've always pronounced it Kubica, but then basketball reference tells me Kubica. All right, then we go to 55, where there were 10 players in Hornets slash Bobcats history to wear the number 55. One of the few double-digit worn jerseys there. A lot of no names, really, but we ended up giving this award to Chris Douglas Roberts in a slight upset. Memphis great, 2014. We go to 54. This was no contest. As much as we gave some love to Jason Maxiel, 
it ends up going to Lee Nalon wearing it for a couple of seasons. And Nalon, finally, uh, finally, number 52, it was the mm-hmm. uh, featuring the, the man that we talked about before we even talked about this segment. The one, the only Matt Geiger wins in a landslide. But Chucky Brown also there. Todd Fuller had a cup of coffee. Otis Thorpe. Uh, we had a good conversation about Otis Thorpe, and he ended his career in Charlotte. Long career. How about, how about two former members of the NC State Wolfpack donning 52 for the Charlotte Hornets? All right. Those are the first four numbers we got to. We will continue on this journey in the next couple of segments. Coming up next on the Locked on Hornets. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Uh, I don't know if it was 53 or 52. I forgot the graphic already, but we will continue to look at some of the best jersey 50. numbers. In <laughs> it's Hornets. 50. It's not fi- There's been <laughs> it's, no 50. It's one of those. There's no 53. There's no 51. Uh, we got to just jump straight into 5 0. All right. We're getting through 50. The 50s. My favorite number, by the way. <laughs> yeah, Molly, 50. Shan- Molly Shannon's as well. It's 50. All right. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action bet online where the game starts we get through the 50s coming up next locked on hornets is locked on hornets they're running their rookies to greensboro they're driving them to greensboro and then driving them back the same day to play in an nba game i cannot (laughs) wait until the hornets load manage it's time for more of the locked on hornets podcast That bump made me realize, by the way, just some house cleaning. I accidentally said in the last episode, Nick Friedman was a head coach for the Swarm. That actually never happened. I made that up, and I apologize. That's a bad mistake. Yeah, we go with Noel. uh, It was Noel Gillespie first, then Joe Wolf second, and now here we are with Jordan. I messed up. Just some house cleaning. All right, number 50. You love that bite. I call that a trap. (laughs) It's very good. I was trapped. Thank you. Number 50, Doug, why don't you read off the names and we can debate some of them. We've got uh, Robert Reed, 1989 to 1990. The big dude, Uh, Jamie. I'm not, I don't know how to say this name. I'm going to say it's fake F E I C K. Cause I like the idea of a fake head fake. Uh, So Jamie fake 1997, Matt Bullard. uh, One of those, like to me, one of those names that pops up as like, just famous sort of 13th men for the Charlotte Hornets. Matt Bullard off the bench, 2002. Emeka Okafor, 2005 to 2009, the rookie of the year for the Charlotte Bobcats. Corey Maggette in 2012. Uh, that's some some sadder parts of the uh, Bobcats history, I think. Yeah. Tyler Hansborough rounding out number 50. Of course, uh, if we were doing this for the UNC uh, Tar Heels, he's probably a clear winner. But in I 2016 mean, for the Charlotte Hornets, it's not as clear. Yeah, it's definitely well. It's it is clear, just in the wrong way for Tyler <laughs> Hansborough. He doesn't win that. Um, it's pretty easy. It's a oh, Mecca yeah. Okafor, right, for sure. 
It's really yeah, I'm gonna easy. Go ahead, I'm going to go ahead and play the sound. It's over. It's Okafor. I do want to give some credit to Corey Maggette, who comes in an awful situation and plays well for the Bobcats in 2012, put up a really good stat line for them and moves on. He's bounced around at this point in his career. But if you look at the one year, yeah, we'll bring it up on basketball reference. You can check this out. I'm just looking, I'm looking at Corey Maggette. <laughs> yeah, right. So, 32 games, 28 Oh, wait, starts. maybe it wasn't. Oh, that's actually not good. I apologize. That's not. No, he just averaged the leading score for them. Yeah, yikes. No, the McGetty era of the Charlotte Bobcats. The percentage was, was not good for McGetty. Goodness gracious, that was brutal. And I think, and I'll look this I'll look this up, but I'm pretty sure the McGetty, what was that, 2012? So I think McGetty was part of the teardown uh, after that first playoff run. Yeah. yeah. I'm not as in the every Hornets box score process is me learning about Hornets history and Bobcats history. And I'm certainly less uh, tuned into that era of Bobcats basketball. I started tuning back in into the late Bobcats era. So, yeah, but I think McGetty was part of that teardown. You know, I I remember that era going like a little differently, at least the McGetty small sample size era, just because he was somewhat of a name on a team that was moving away from, you know, anything great via basketball. So, yeah, Corey McGetty, he's not going to win this one. Emeka Okafor, he takes it away. Do you, I mean, we talked about Okafor a little bit, uh, you know. I think one of the things about Okafor, Doug, is that jersey was seen everywhere from Bobcats fans, seeing everybody have the orange and the white number 50 Charlotte Bobcats jersey. He was the first player fans embraced because he was, I mean, at that time, he was probably the only player worth embracing, second overall pick. Defensive menace comes in, averages double-digit rebounds every year that he plays for the Charlotte Bobcats, averages double digits per game, doesn't score anything less than 13 a game as soon as he comes in for the Bobcats. So an underappreciated guy um, as time has moved on, not you know, suffered some injuries. I think even as his career uh, went on later, had the back problems, then that would kind of translate into some neck problems. But yeah, like just just a guy I look at fondly, Doug, for his time in an era where it, it's pretty brutal. And Mecca Okafor got us uh, started as well as he could, at least. Yeah, it comes in his rookie season. He's rookie of the year and in a year that, uh, you know, Dwight Howard was the first overall pick. So the Hornets or the Bobcats obviously miss out on you know the opportunity for that generational player but at least in that one year you get somebody who was averaging 15 points and nearly 11 rebounds a game I mean that's that's tremendous and and go ahead and throw in there 1.7 blocks per game and 3.8 offensive rebounds so yeah I mean you you, you use the word menace I think I mean he was he, he terrorized things I mean you know probably want a little bit better field goal percentage from your center at 44 yeah, percent yeah so and the first two well, years. and that kind of feeds into what happened with Okafor. I feel like so that percentage is low, and and I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that Emeka couldn't necessarily go in and like bang with some of the bigger centers when there were more bigger centers in '04. You know, he might he might be the perfect center had he been drafted ten years later, but but there was still some need to go down low and do some damage, and he really couldn't do that, and so Emeka decided that the way to do that was to put on some pounds, to put on some LBSs and, you know, try to go down there and do some damage. The problem was that the way that he put on that weight, whatever happened there resulted, or at least he felt like was a, was a part of the reason why he sustained some of the injuries that he would later sustain in his career. And in that second season where he only played 26 games. So he follows up that rookie of the year with 26 games played 
and 25 starts. And so disappointing. And then it would just sort of kind of unravel from there. And he spends five seasons in Charlotte and then goes to New Orleans, which is like forever two organizations tied to one another goes to play for the New Orleans Hornets for several seasons before uh, that big uh, neck injury. And then he goes uh, back and plays for the Pelicans in 17, Yeah. Just a, a footnote here, but at 35 years old, having not played in the league for four seasons, plays 26 games for the Pelicans during the time where they were kind of bottoming out at that point, but has a nice 26 games for them. Um, pretty impressive for him to come back after four straight years of not playing, but clearly the award is given to the number two overall pick Emeka Okafor. Congratulations. Um, yeah. Best to ever wear the five Oh in Charlotte. Yeah, a good number, a good valued number. All right, let's go to 45. More. All right, 45. 45. Okay. Oh, a couple of good names in here. Only three players have worn 45 in Charlotte history. Armin Gilliam, 1990 to 1991. Eric Lechner, 1991. <sighs> it says through, well, through 97. I don't think he played... All the way. Come on, basketball reference. You are killing me right yeah, now so, with this. <laughs> it's just the way basketball this like, reference pa- is hard. It really is like the way they've redesigned this page. Honestly, like you have to like avoid certain things or they like fold down. All right, here we go. I got it. I figured it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he didn't spend all that time in Charlotte. He was with Charlotte from 90 to 92 and then had one more year, 96, 97. Where one he more game. One game. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's a weird yeah. I, that'd be something weird. that might have to be a, a research topic for every Hornets box score. Why Eric Lechner only played in one game in 1996-97. But so the majority of his time, Lechner was 90 to 92. And let's see, 40 games, 59 games. Uh, in that first year, he averaged 18.6 minutes, uh, five, almost six points a game in that 90-91 season, uh, giving you five rebounds a game. I mean, you know, Lechner throwing in some, uh, you know, for the early Hornets, the pre-playoff Hornets, uh, not bad. Solid, but clearly not going to be the best player in Hornets right. history to have won number 45. I want to get to Chuck, Chuck Person in just a moment, but clearly the award goes to Armin Gilliam, who at first I thought might be the, the most hammer. underappreciated Hornet of all time until I started to look at some of the things, right? I looked at Lee Nalon, decided to give the award to him. How he came over to the Hornets was hilarious. We talked about that on an every Hornets box score. How he left was really more so so they could give more run to J.R. Reed, who they had recently drafted, but mm-hmm. did have a very productive season for the Charlotte Hornets in 1989-1990. Played 60 games, averaged, uh, as we continue to scroll, oh, close to 20 points. Yeah, it was yeah. 19. Um, you know, shot well from the field. He was somebody, they, they called him the black hole, because if you gave him the basketball in the post, you were not going to get it back. So just go ahead and it's position yourself now. for a potential offensive rebound, it's but a still a nice dude. score. Yeah, Armin Gilliam gets this award despite the uh, short time. JT Thor, you got some work to do, my friend, if you want that moniker. You got to take it away from Armin Gilliam, who now has the hammer moniker. If we want to call JT Thor the hammer, he's got to, he's got to, you know, do something that's along the lines of 20 points a game, 9.4 rebounds. How about a steal? Almost a steal and a block. Was the second overall pick. I mean, Armin Gilliam. Uh, was was a really good uh, power forward in the league for a few years, kind of an yeah. under 
underrated, underknown name, but Armin Gilliam. All right, you want to talk about Chucky Person. Chuck Person yeah. spent a year with the Charlotte Hornets in 1999. What you got on Chucky? Yeah, let's go ahead and tickle the Indiana nostalgia here because Chuck Person was a bucket in the 90s for the Indiana Pacers. It's the guy that we actually met even late 80s and then early 90s. It's the guy I think, Doug, you can actually say people forget Chuck Person was a bucket. He actually fits that, and we don't have to make fun of that saying. He actually was, and people do forget about that. Average close to 20 points per game. Nice efficiency from the field, playing alongside Reggie Miller. Those two guys could really light it up, especially from Oof. deep. If you look at the three-point percentage for Chuck, you know, he did shoot 37 as you would go on, was the rifleman. But it took a little while for three-point percentage That's to come crazy. up there. But, but yeah, like well, Chuck you're talking Person, about, you're ta- Hold on. You're talking about 87. He's putting up nearly two three-pointers a game and then raises that to three by 1990, raises it to four, almost four and a half by 92, and he's shooting it percentage-wise around 33 to 35%, up to 37%. I mean, that's crazy for that era. Chucky, shooter. Putting it up, man. Yeah. Also, the other thing to note here is that Chuck Person was in the news come 2019 for a bribery scandal as he was on the staff for Auburn. Shooter. Where he went to school himself. Yes. And uh, Chuck Person, I believe, was he was convicted Shuck of it. those, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, yeah. Anyway, Hornets, just just 50 games for the Charlotte Hornets. I believe. Well, that was the career the, after the back injury, he spent a whole year out of the league for a back injury. And it just seems like his production uh, went went from double digit score to not double digit score the final three years of his career. It seems like that back injury took it all took it all out of him. But, you know, 50 games, 21 starts. In that 99 season, 98, 99 season, averaged nearly 20 minutes a game. So it was, you know, wasn't, wasn't the score, but was given a minutes. I, I would have, if you were to, if you were to ask me, you know, what do you remember from the Hornets era of Chucky Brown I, I or his time playing there? I, I don't know if I would have even remembered that he played there. It's like, oh, wow. I forgot all about that. Chucky person. Or Chucky Person, yes. I saw Chucky Brown here on 52. Yeah, Chuck Person, number 45. Wouldn't have remembered him at all playing for the Lot of A lot of Chucks. Chucking it up. We're chucking it up here. 52, 45, a couple of Chucks. That's what we're doing. All right, coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We're kind of going through the 40s. We're starting to get into some of the numbers where a lot of people were wearing them. And so it's going to be a long one. But make sure you keep checking us out here on Lockdown Hornets, whether it's the YouTube channel or whether it's anywhere you get your podcast. More Jersey numbers coming up next. Lockdown Hornets is Locked on Hornets. Neither Miles Bridges or P.J. Washington is an Anthony Tolliver. I'll tell you that much right now. Oh, my God. (laughs) Anthony Tolliver. You say this is your fault. You curse this. You curse the Hornets. You curse this show by disrespecting the name of Anthony Tolliver. And he had his revenge game against the Charlotte Hornets. It's time for more of the Lock on Hornets podcast. I think we have two Anthony Tolliver bumps that we could have gone to, but we go to that one. And yes, you might have guessed it. He's going to be coming up in the next jersey number we dissect to see who wore it best. Number 43, I believe, is next on the list, Doug. Well, you're getting so you get I did I did play. We will get to uh AT pretty soon, number 43. Okay. But first we gotta do 44. I don't wanna okay. get ahead of ourselves here. That's fine. Um, I just can't that's fine. All right, let's get to number 44 before we get to some Anthony Tolliver stuff. Why don't you read off some of the names at 44? Because there are a couple of interesting ones. Number 44 wow. features the Gat Man, Kenny Gaddison, <laughs> one of my favorite Hornets of all time, 1993 to 1995, one of the great 
uh, janitors, dirty workers, just the guy that goes in there and does the things that nobody else wants to do, the Gap Man. And then uh, Derek Coleman uh, the one, <laughs> just wouldn't do the one thing that people wanted him to do, which is stop eating. 1999 to 2001, Derek Coleman. Sean Singletary, 2009. Uh, Dante Cunningham, 2011. Jeff Taylor, 2013 to 2015. And then finally at number 44, Frank Kaminsky, 2016 to 2019. Walker, before we get to who wore it best, I believe... <laughs> I believe we have stumbled upon our first who wore it bust. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, I I do think that Kaminsky probably got a little too much criticism. Like he okay. wasn't he wasn't good. I'm not saying he was good. He was written off very quickly. Of course, the rumors that Danny Ainge and the Celtics offered the, you know, <laughs> the storied god uh godfather, godfather offer of picks. Yep. Yeah to the Hornets in order to get Justice Winslow. And in the end, they decided to take Frank Kaminsky. I feel like that kind of doomed him from the start. And if he wasn't going to be very good, then that was going to kill him. But yeah, he's are you, not are, great. Are you punished? So you're saying that Frank Kaminsky may have been punished for the sins of his owner. I will say this, though. Kaminsky, not exactly a guy that people liked off of the court either. You know, yeah, just, Frank. I mean, at least fans. Okay, go on. Fan, well, Twitter interactions, you know, he had his Barstool account where, or he had that podcast, I believe, with Barstool where I just, you know, not a lot of people loved Frank as far as you are, I remember. You weren't loving, you weren't loving the, the, he kind of had a bro vibe. You weren't loving the bro vibe. Yeah. Um, and, if you and going call back him, and forth with people on Twitter, which would have been fun. You know, look, he, so. His family did know, too, I believe. His sister. Well, and, and Frank Kaminsky had some well-documented uh confidence issues anxiety issues around playing professional basketball that you yeah. know were were talked about and and but just never seemed to be overcome uh and you know there were some but you were right there were moments in the Frank Kaminsky era where like they would play him at center and he would have big games because he could take on opposing centers who may not be you know, as mobile or willing to guard him at the three-point line and he could have some success. Unfortunately, he just couldn't guard anyone at the center position either. So, yeah. you know, it was always one of those kind of situations. He was very, I think, indicative of that particular era of Hornets basketball, which was all skill and very little physicality, very little, uh, and and honestly, very little confidence, and very little like just sort of, hey, we're going to come in here and, and dominate you. There just wasn't a lot of that from those from those teams that I remember. And I think Frank Kaminsky was, was a bit indicative of that. So, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe who wore it bust, but certainly not who wore it best. <laughs> That's a bad mistake. Yeah. There's really two names to talk about here and maybe even one, depending on how much you hate Derek Coleman. If you're a Hornets fan from that timeline, 1999 through 2001 is when Derek Coleman is credited for wearing 44 and Kenny Gaddison wore it in 93 and 95. Doug, the, these guys are on the complete opposite end of the spectrum as far as likability. Everybody loved Kenny Gaddison. The players loved Kenny Gaddison. Everybody hated Derek Coleman and hate. You know, I sometimes people toss that around too much. 
a lot of disdain for Derek Coleman, uh, especially for you know Hornets fans all together. And I know there was some not so becoming stuff based off him not wanting to play. I think there were some things going on. I, I it's kind of the the details are loose in my head. But with that Bucks series or that playoff run, right? Didn't really want to play. Do you have more? Well, do you the, look, a little bit more so Coleman, you know, it wasn't wasn't. I don't think was a very media friendly person. So you know, wasn't going to get that get the glowing write-ups from media, but also there were fitness issues. There were, yeah, not playing when when the coaching staff wanted him to play, injury issues. You know, Coleman's time in Charlotte was just plagued by issues and and really, like, there was a promise that Coleman could come in and regain some of his former glory and really lead a Hornets team it was on the verge of something, you know, they were trying to sort of move past that second era and, you know, you're, you're getting into the Jordan is retired. The East is opening up. They have an opportunity here to really make some noise. And Coleman was go was supposed to be a big part of that. And unfortunately just didn't, didn't really live up to that. Didn't contribute to that level. And so, yeah, I, I don't think there's much love. On the other hand, you have Kenny Gaddison who was again, mostly a reserve center, but also started many games and the Hornets, the Charlotte Hornets back then almost revolted when the team tried to trade Kenny Gaddison to make room to sign Alonzo Mourning, who was working on his rookie deal with the team. Larry Johnson was quoted of saying, you trade Gat, you trade me. LJ <laughs> was willing it. to throw himself uh, in front of Kenny Gaddison to make sure that the Gat man could continue being on the team because he was beloved by his teammates and he was beloved by the city of Charlotte as because he represented Charlotte. Charlotte was like, you know, uh, you know, Charlotte was a city that was growing on the rise, but not really appreciated, not really a big city, looked down upon in some ways. And so they're always a chip on your shoulder. Gaddison was the ultimate chip on your shoulder guy. So there was a lot of connection there and a lot of love. So yeah, I mean, I think this might be Walker the first one that we have to throw up to the horn to the to the fans of the show. Yeah, but the problem is, I still know who's going to win, right? I mean, I may, know. what I think would happen is if you look back, if you did not experience the Hornets during the early '90s, and you just look at the Basketball Reference page, then you might say, "Hey, I don't care if Derek Coleman only played a little over a hundred games." His numbers were better. The dude shot 36% from three as a big guy, averaged 17 points per game. The rep, clearly the stats for that small sample size, they indicate Derek Coleman was a better player. But yeah, what I mean, is that 99-2000 yeah. season was, was, was great. Good. I mean, 13 attempts, 46%, 36% from three, 16.7 points per game, eight and a half rebounds, uh, two and a half assists, and um, almost two blocks per game in that 99-2000 season. That's great stuff. It, it is. Everybody hated him. Yeah, it is. And the, the only thing that might save him even from the hate is the fact that Gaddison is only credited for wearing this number for a couple of seasons. And he was and he was there for a long time. He played six seasons, if I'm counting correctly. Yeah, uh, six seasons with the Hornets before. I, I think he was taken by the Grizzlies in that expansion draft when they Yeah, we can only we yeah. can only count, you know, according to the rules of the game that we've set up. The Gat Man can only count for the 93 through the 95 season in which he averaged 7.7 .7 points per game in 93, 94, six points per game in 94, 95, uh, about a four and a half rebounds, three and a half rebounds in the next season on 21 minutes and 21.4 minutes in his first season or in the first season where he wore that number and then 19 and a half in the second season.
I would be down to go ahead and just give this award to Kenny Gaddison, even acknowledging everything, wow. the stats. I would say. No, see, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna. I think, I think okay. if one of us, if one of us has a question, we got to throw it to the people. So I'm gonna put this on the YouTube poll, youtubecom slash Oh, that's fine. Hornets podcast. We'll throw the poll up. Well, you have the final say. Is it Kenny Gaddison's 93 through 95 campaign or Derek Coleman 99 through 2001 at 44? Uh, so who are you going with, real quickly, before we move on? I just want to hear who you would go with. I, I, I'll, I'll go. I mean. I, think I just the, think that matters. I think I think likability. I think embraced, and plus, it's not like Kenny was a bad player by any means. So I well, I really hope that we get to Kenny later on. What what I don't know what other jersey number he wore. I hope when we get to him later on, it's just no question that it's the Gap Man. But I I, I really struggle. I mean, I think Derek Coleman, yeah, yeah disappointing, but that ninety nine two thousand season. Um, he, he Good. put in some numbers, you know, it was, it was the, the sandwich <laughs> sandwich being an interesting word <laughs> yeah, here nice. because of, yeah, uh, Derek Coleman's inability to come into camp, uh, in shape. But, um, yeah, I mean, sandwiched by two years where he was plagued by injury and, and not wanting to play. So yeah, Derek Coleman tough. So you didn't answer the question. All right, we'll move. We'll, <laughs> we'll move on. Was there a question? Yeah. No. Yeah. What? Oh, I forgot completely. I want to leave right. it to the people. I'm a man of the people. I believe in voting. I want to. I want to leave this to the people. All right. Yes. You are very. Uh, you are very democratic. Let's, Let's go. Let's do to one more. Four. One more. All right. Forty-three. It's pretty easy here. Like, I mean, you can read off the names, but there's also a clear winner, even if. It's not like and that it's guy Jake Voschkul, yeah. 2006 no, to 2007. Charlotte Bobcats, great Jake Voschko. No, no, no. It's 43. Let's read the names here. LaRon Ellis in 1994. Joe Wolf, 1995 to 96, would come back and uh, be a Greensboro Swarm coach, was a UNC alum, one of the many UNC alums that have uh, made their way through this organization. I don't, I have no idea why. Uh, but they do. It's just uh, very much <laughs> yeah, a trend. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> uh, Jake Voschkel, 2006-2007. I said that one. Uh, oh, the other LJ, Linton Johnson, uh, had a cup of coffee here in 2009. And then Anthony Tolliver, one year. It's so surprising. It feels like Anthony Tolliver played here for multiple years, but he did not. Anthony Tolliver, 2014, uh, spent one glorious year in Charlotte, and that glorious year was 2013-14, and uh, Walker has dropped off the recording. The power of Anthony Tolliver has dropped him out of the recording. I'm going to try to keep talking about Anthony Tolliver until uh, he gets back. 2013 to 2014, Anthony Tolliver is, uh, well, 2013-14 was the year that the Charlotte Bobcats went to the playoffs with Al Jefferson. There's Walker. He's back. <laughs> Hey, you buddy. Know what I did? You want to know what I did? Do you know what I did? I don't know what you did. You disappeared, I, and I was yeah. I was just trying to throw some uh, juggling Island. balls in the air and figure this thing out with Anthony Tolliver. I, I left you on the Tolliver Island, which I wanted to inhabit with you, but instead I accidentally pressed exit on my tab open via the software we use to broadcast this. So that's my apologies. I'm sorry to Anthony Tolliver, too, because I just wanted to give him a whole bunch of credit as well. Knockdown shooter, man. That's what he was <laughs> for the up. one season, the 41% from three. I'm sure you already mentioned it. But he's pretty clearly the guy, despite only having played one season. 
Well, it's the year, it's the season too, right? It's 23, 14. That's what I was, I was getting into as I was trying to stall until you got back onto the recording (laughs) was that 2013, 14 was the year the Charlotte Bobcats under Steve Clifford made it back to the playoffs. So it's Tolliver, it's Chris Douglas Roberts, who's already gotten one of these uh, Jersey number awards so far. It's Al Jefferson, it's Kimball Walker, you know, and, and just that one final glorious Bobcats run by Steve Clifford before uh, you know, or as they were preparing to become the Charlotte Hornets. But yeah, for Tolliver, 64 games play was just a sharpshooter. Started nine games, but 20 minutes per game uh, was a 41% three-point shooter. Just knocked down. He gave you six points a game, but capable of dropping in 15 on five made threes. Like, that's just the kind of guy Tolliver was, was exactly what they needed on that team. Effective field goal percentage, 58.6%. My goodness. Not bad. Yeah, Tolliver. Love it. Um, I want to see at the end of this, how many of the players that were on that Bobcats team actually end up having these best Jersey number awards because Anthony Tolliver and Chris Douglas Roberts are two guys. I did not expect to have that award. And yet here we are from that team. Yes, they are donning it and we'll get a Kimba, you know, Kimba Walker will get number 15. That We're going to get well, there. I don't know. We'll per- see. Uh, listen, Master I know. P is sitting there. It's going to be a competition. Uh, so true. we'll have to debate it. Um, but yeah, Kimball Walker, 15. Marvin Williams at two. Uh, that's it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough because he's, <laughs> well, he's, be he's got to go up against LJ. That's going to well, be difficult. Well, I don't think he wore that Bobcat. Oh, that was was that the first year of the Hornets? It was 13-14? No, it was Bobcats. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, yeah, Marvin Williams. Marvin Williams yeah. was uh, the first year of the Hornets. It, you know, yeah. it's all fuzzy around when they when they made Sorry. the transition. All right. Uh, yeah, they... I, have to look, I have to look at that team. Let's say, well, we can look at it real quick. Let's look at 13-14 and see right. uh, if we think anyone might compete without knowing the jersey numbers. Uh, that's that's the weird thing about that. Oh, that's his game log from 2013. <laughs> no, we are limping right, out. Go. Oh, Josh McRoberts might have a chance uh, with number. Oh, it does show their jersey numbers. So number 11. Um, I'm trying to think of 11s that I can think of. Michael Kidd Gilchrist at 14. Um, number Biz nine. Yambo at zero. Yeah, Biz. What about number nine? I don't know who else wore nine, but Gerald and, uh, Henderson. We're going to have to find out. I'm not going to mm-hmm. look it up. This, yeah, don't this, do that This yet. is all... Luke Ridenauer at number 13. I mean, you never know. Got traded a million times in four days. Uh, Ramon Sessions had two stints with both the Bobcats and the Hornets at number seven. Forgot about Uh, Ramon Sessions. Yeah, Cody. I'm I'm going to tease it ahead. Cody Zeller will be on the next uh, next time we do this. Cody Zeller at number 40. Let's see what's uh, going to happen. We're going to have some guys there. I mean, in 14, I can't imagine it is too popular. And so MKG might have that locked up, man. We'll see that it's going to be it's going to speak to the franchise's history if we have a, a bunch of those Bob. Don't players. worry about that. Let's just have fun in the we moment. Are. We don't have to worry fun. about that. I'm having fun, but we can acknowledge what's real here, and it would be maybe a little disappointing. But we're going to have fun along we the way. All right, that'll do it for Lockdown Hornets. We always appreciate your support, <laughs> making us your first listen. Make your second listen, Locked On NBA. It's your 30 minute daily update on everything taking place within the association. Have a great great day we'll be back with you tomorrow fun friday david walker will join us.